Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped through the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. And now for this week's message. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the theology of work, what you're going to do with the other six days. We're going to talk about our Monday to Friday lives specifically, and what it means to utilize and optimize our vocational potential, but at the same time, live for God. Most people spend their waking hours, yet seldom reflect on the significance. They spend their waking hours at the job, but seldom uh, reflect on the significance and how it affects the kingdom. And then the churches frequently give emphasis to the in-church activities, not that it's wrong, and the professional ministry without affirming that people are in full-time ministry Monday to Friday and often Saturdays as well. And so as we start, I want to give you a working definition for work. It is a purposeful activity, whether manual or mental or both, whether remunerated or not. And so that definition covers a stay-at-home person who's taking care of and raising children as well. And by the way, I think that is probably the most challenging task in all the world, especially in those formative years when you're modeling for them the world through your eyes. You see, you're in fact shaping the next generation, and there can be nothing more important than that. And so with our time together this morning, I want to explore both the biblical basis for making sense of the other six days and arrive at a theology of work, and then I want to be able to wrestle with the contextual implications of what I've said. Do you know that you spend approximately 40% of your time, that is 150,000 hours in your lifetime, you spend at work? Numerous surveys that they've, held, they've had in America said that one-third of Americans say they hate their job. 86% of them say they're dissatisfied with their jobs. 84% say they want to find a new job. And I'm sure the Canadians are very different, aren't you? <laughs> not. You know, you can even like your job and not be in the one that is best suited for you. As you know, there are many people who are successful at work and really don't feel fulfilled by their jobs. They make you money, maybe lots of income, but it's just a grind. And so if I were to ask you this morning, just pause for a moment and describe how you would feel or how, what your feelings are about work. What would you say if most people, if they're honest with themselves, would say, I work because I have to work. Besides, it's just a job. But you know, God will say to you this morning that it's not just a job. Your job, your work is part of God's plan for your life. You see, we as humans, we're made to work. And God has a number of goals that he wants to accomplish through your work. And so, as I said, it's not just a job. The Bible has many examples where work is more than just a job, and I would point firstly to God. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, on the seventh day, he ended. God ended his work and rested. God ended his work and rested. If I had more time, we could also then go and explore the tasks of both Joseph and Daniel and what they accomplished in their lives through their work, both, uh, both their jobs and used the skills they were trained in to affect the nations and be testimonies for God. And also to note that it's not just plain sailing for them. They encountered many obstacles and, and yet they remained faithful to God. 
but both attributed their understanding and their abilities to God. The interpretation of dreams that were, were given to both of them involved future events that related to the welfare of the nations. Both were placed in positions of authority, and uh, the families and friends of both of them were blessed as a result. And both men were placed among the nations by God so that they might be a witness to the people of God. And by remaining faithful to God, Joseph and Daniel provided a faithful witness to the nations, and in so doing, fulfilled God's intentions for the nation of Israel. So briefly, I want to look at how God really wants to use your work and your career in ways that you never thought possible. Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for people. So whether you're a cab driver or a doctor or president of a company or a, a truck driver, whether you're in a corner office or a cubicle, whatever you do, he says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as if you're doing it for God and not just for people. You see, your whole life matters to God, not just the, the aspect that relates to church and the activities that are part of that. Your whole life matters to God. So let me tell you the five goals that God has for your lives. Firstly, He wants you to know Him and love Him. Secondly, He wants you to grow in character, to become like Him. He wants you to use your talents, number three, your talents and your gifts, not just to accumulate a bunch of stuff for you and yours. He wants you to use those talents and gifts and ability to serve others and make a lasting impact and a difference in the world in which you live. And number four, He wants you to share the good news about His love with other people. And number five, he wants you to have an understanding of your role and responsibility before God within creation, and that includes the workplace. And so let's just quickly summarize those. He wants you to know and love him. He wants you to grow in character. He wants you to use your talents and abilities to make a difference. He wants you to share his love. And number five, he wants you to understand your role and responsibility. You see, God wants to take all five of those goals and use those five goals through your profession and your career. Now, I don't want to offend you with this next statement. I don't want to make you feel bad, but merely to challenge you. Remember that there are those that in your workplace who know that you're a Christian. Let me ask you this. What does that look like to them? The question to ask is, when and how? Can you be an influence? Because that is what being salt and light is. Both of them affect and influence their environment. And so the question is, are we affecting and influencing our environment? Surely that is what we are called to do in this world in which we live. Someone asked Abba Anthony, the founder of Eastern Monasticism, who lived around about 251 AD, what must I do in order to please God? And the old man replied, Pay attention to three things. Whoever you may be, always have God before your eyes with whatever you do. Do everything according, number two, to, according to the testimony of Holy Scriptures. And whatever place you live, do not easily leave it. You know, as I read the Bible, I know there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal you see, there are no ordinary people, and let me explain. C.S. Lewis said it this way, 
nations and cultures and arts and civilization, they are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is the immortals whom we joke with, whom we work with, marry, snub, exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. Now, think about it. They, just as you, are created in the image of God. And so I can, I, I just, it's just wonderful to think of the perspective that this writer had when he said that your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. Think about that for a moment. God reveals that he is the standard by which all humankind is to be measured. Because he said in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. In fact, that translation is slightly wrong. It should read, let us make man in our image as our likeness. And so there are two dimensions to man in relation to God. The first is image has to do with man's nature that resembles God's own in some way. And the second likeness has to do with man's role or responsibility before God within creation. The focus of the passage is that God creates and that his work is good. The likeness of Adam to God, therefore, may be found in what people do. Remember, I'm not talking about working for our salvation, nor am I talking about working to just please God. We're talking about the relationship and how we need to relate to God. So, as jazz with Adam, who has to do with man's nature that resembles God's own. And secondly, likeness has to do with man's role and responsibility before God and with, within creation. This leads to the observation, folks, that our identity as human beings is answered in part by what we do in responsibility to men and women before God. You see, you and I are representatives of God in the earth over God's creation. And for, for the purpose of time, let me just move on and, and I will come pick, back, pick this back up in a moment. Let me direct your attention to just two passages. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, whatever you put your hands to do, do with all your might. Do it with all your might. And secondly, the, it says in 1 Corinthians 31, whatever you do in work or play, in whatever, do all to the glory of God. The text says simply this to me, that when you're looking for a quality standard against which you can measure your work, measure it against the excellence of the glory of God. Ask yourself this. If I were to present this assignment or this piece of work or this project for God's commendation for his uh, inspection, what would I do? What would I give? The text says, give all for the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. So let me encourage you, stretch yourself and your abilities. You don't have to be perfect. We can all do this to the best of our ability. Everyone wins, you see, when you do your best. 
God wins. God's delighted and receives glory from his children when they do what they do their best. It is essential if we're going to live lives pleasing to the Father. Next to sleeping, no other activity in our lives will command more of our time. Few other factors in our lives will have a greater effect on our satisfaction or our fulfillment quotient than work. So why the theology of work? Unfortunately, there are certain sectors of the church that make a distinction between the clergy and the laity. And that's just plain wrong. God never intended for that to be the situation. You see, I believe the rhythm of the church should be of gathering and then scattering or dispersion. Not just coming to an event and then it's over. It's critical for understanding the mission of the whole of the people of God. Since workplace is mostly where people live. And the professional clergy has not access to that area. So what did God have in mind when he introduced the notion of human labor? Just as God names creation... Remember, light he named day, night he named, uh, well, darkness he named night. And so Adam names the animals. As God distinguishes one thing from another in creation, he names that which is distinguished. And then God invited Adam into the process of creation and said, I am going to partner with you as you work to name the animals. And in the same way, Adam then distinguishes one animal from another and so doing, sees the differences and learns about the animals and God's creation in the process. Moreover, the Bible writer has been careful to describe the creation which God created as good. This reveals that the creator himself is good as well. So how does Adam know this good creator? In part, he will know him through creation. In other words, by naming the animals, Adam discovers the nature of their creator as well. It's not just, you know, oh, well, that's an elephant, and oh, well, that's a giraffe or a buck or whatever it is. It involves observation and analysis and understanding. And by giving Adam the privilege of naming the creation, God is giving him the right to know him, know God, by exercising the rational abilities with which he has been created. Thus, discovery of the world and discovery of our role in the world is to discover the world's creator. Because you see, you are never meant to do what you're doing out there in the world on your own. And you are going to go through those difficult times. And you are going to go through those times that are challenging. But it's in the midst of those challenges that you discover that your God is a God that loves you and cares for you and has never left you. See, Scripture tells us the garden is a place of God's provision and purpose and presence. And so... Adam is placed in the garden to be a priest within God's creation and worship God in all he does. You and I are a royal priesthood. And you and I have been created and placed in this world for a specific purpose. And that includes your job situation. 
and where you find yourself placed in that job situation. It's not just to earn money, folks. Hang with me a moment. Think more about the garden. So let me ask you this. Was God so mad with Adam and Eve and their sin in the garden that, they, that he decided to relegate the whole of the human race to rock piles of human labor for penance purposes throughout all of history? Or did God maybe have a grander scheme in mind when he created the notion of human labor? You see, human labor provides us with the ability and with the challenge to stretch and, and meaningful activity. And it calls the best out of us. And it is the crucible where our character is deeply formed. You see, human labor provides us with the extraordinary opportunity for relationship and community and spiritual development and fulfill the purposes of the kingdom. Beyond this overarching grand scheme about human labor, God also has a specific scheme in mind and how you fit into the big picture. picture. And that's what I want to focus on for the rest of this message. Where do you fit in? How do you discover your place in this grand scheme that God has? How does a person like you or me discover his specific vocational calling? How do you wind up in a position that leads to fulfillment instead of frustration, creates energy instead of dissipating it? Or may I be as bold to ask you, how do you find a job that excites you, that on a Monday morning, you just don't turn over and you bang the alarm clock and say, oh Lord, not another Monday. But rather, man, it's Monday again. I get to do and be what God's called me to do. You know, it is a complex issue, far more complex than than just a single message can address. But I'm going to give you some big ideas that you can think about and reflect on a little more. And I encourage you, take the outline that you have and spend the time and think about these things because it is crucial for you. So firstly, believe it or not, the best wisdom would say the first place you should do, the first thing you should do is look in your rearview mirror. Look backwards. Maybe look far backwards. All the way back in your life, maybe to your early years, even to the early school years. You see, the Bible teaches us, as I said before, that you are a unique creation, custom designed by your God. Psalm 139 says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We one-offs, one of a kind. Now, maybe your wife is saying, thank God there's only one of you in this world because the world wouldn't be able to have two of you. But somewhere in the midst of that, folks, in the core of all of us is a fascinating intersection of God's given competencies and interests which reveal themselves often in early life. And those of you who have more than one child, Maybe you grew up in a, in a home where there was more than one child, more than one sibling. I look at my, my three brothers, and we are so different. It certainly wasn't the programming in home, at our home, that created that, because we had a mother and father, and we were all in that same home. But, but obviously, it almost seems that they get their software, that, and they were pre-programmed somewhere else. The authors, Kesey and Stark and Hirsch, in a book called Life Keys, identify six broad 
categories that tend to emerge as children develop and express their own uniqueness. I want to run through them quickly because I don't have the time to go into them detail, in detail. But as I name them, you begin to just allow your mind to, to meditate and think upon these because they are unique characteristics that these authors talk about. Firstly is the mechanical types. And I remember my, my eldest son, that when he was seven or eight, he was already dismantling radios and, and computers and, and clocks. And, and I didn't know what he was doing, but he managed to put them back together. And here I see, and he, now he's in his 30s, and he's really in the sweet spot of what God has for him, what God has designed for him. And then there's the investigative types, and I, I think about my own wife. She's always asking questions. <laughs> but you know, it suits her so perfectly. Because she loves delving into Scripture. Something I don't like doing. Whoops, I shouldn't say. <laughs> no, but, but she really likes to take those theological themes and just go right back to the, the Greek and the Hebrew and the Hebrew and all of those things. <laughs> those things matter to her. I don't like it. I read the Bible and okay, that's what it says. I believe it. <laughs> so that's, that's added to her whole She's now in a final stage of a PhD, and she's enjoyed every minute of doing that because she likes to investigate stuff. And then there are the artist types, and then there's the social types. Let me tell you about our youngest son, David. He had some challenges because he was dyslexic, and he had some challenges, but you know, he thinks in three dimensions, and he is such a social guy, and he can meet you for the first time, and he can tell you about your life. He says, Dad, that's a good guy. You've got to watch out for that gal. Whatever it is. But he's such a social creature. He can read people so, so well. And you know what? He's doing wonderfully in sales because he's found his place in God's kingdom. And then there's the leadership types and the dependable types. Now, understand when I talk about these individual characteristics, they're not siloed because there is a bleed through and there is more than one characteristic that might apply to some of you. So those are the mechanical types and then the investigative types, the artist types, the social types, the leadership, and then the dependable types. These are broad categories. But these authors argue that the point is that the early life patterns are far more important in childhood than we even understand. It's not some relaxed thing that goes on. Authors argue that these patterns that develop with children are the earliest indicators of the unique image of God that he places and stamps on people's lives. And these patterns need to seriously be taken into consideration when vocational choices are made. Authors also argue that every one of us from an early age were given specific interests that captivated our own minds and imagination and we were also given special skills and talents that enable us to feel confident and competent. They call them God-given clues or life keys that play an important role in your life. And so that's the first one, looking back. The second one is looking around, looking around you. What are you learning about yourself where you currently find yourself in? What are you learning about whether this particular job gives me fulfillment? 
One of my favorite passages, Apostle Paul writing to his disciple Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, pay close attention to your life. And so let me encourage you, take a moment, slow your life down, do some serious reflecting. You see, unfortunately, with this modern era, we are so connected that many of us will have withdrawal symptoms if we ever decided one, for one moment to switch off our iPhones or to switch off our iPads. It's like we're going to miss out on life if we're not watching the next Facebook page, post, I should say. But let me encourage you. Maybe you need to detox from that for a little while. Switch off, especially in summer here in Vancouver. I've had to learn how to do that. My wife says, You're, you've been revolutionized because I used to carry my, my cell phone wherever I went just in case I was needed. <laughs> but do some serious reflecting. Ask God for his wisdom to come to bear on that. And maybe you need to pound a different nail for a while. Friends, all of these issues need to be processed and thought through. You know, lots of people hate Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And when 5 o'clock Friday comes, they go off to the liquor store and buy two or three cases of beer. And they drown their vocational sorrows all weekend long. And then they get up on a Sunday, on a Monday morning when the alarm goes off and they hate every minute of their lives. You know, that is one option. But that's not a particularly good option. Maybe a better one is taking responsibility for heading in the direction of change over time. Pursue some additional training. Acquire some new skills. Go back to school. It's never too late. I went back to school in my early 50s and I got my doctorate. And I did that and it changed the whole trajectory of my life. And you say, well, okay. What do you mean? Well, I've been a pastor now for a long time. And, you know, I didn't want to just keep pastoring because I knew there were still things that God wanted me to do. I didn't want to one day get up in church and say, good morning, church. (laughs) (laughs) But I knew there was so much more. And so God gave me the opportunity to go and study again and add additional skills to my life. And and I see there's so much. I have dreams and visions and plans for tomorrow. Get a resume together and commence a job search. Find a headhunter. Do some networking. But move. Take responsibility for moving in the direction that would better approximate what God had in mind for you when he created you. Ecclesiastes says, Here is what I have seen to be good, to eat and drink and thoroughly enjoy oneself in one's labors. And so the third thing we need to look back, look around, but look forward. You need to dream again a little bit. If I had a little bit of pixie dust and I just sprinkle it all over the congregation this morning and you were able and we were able to suspend reality long enough to allow yourself to say in a perfect world, this is what I'd love to do. Here's the kind of satisfaction I would like to experience. Here's what I, I feel that if I did this, the smile of God would be on my workday world. Friends, you need to begin to dream again. 
often in the dreaming process, in the unguarded moments of wishing and wondering and praying, we discover a longing that has been buried 20 foot deep in the hard-packed soil of everyday reality. The stuff we stopped dreaming about and longing for 20 years ago when the practical realities of, of everyday work and mortgage payments and car payments, you need to open yourself back up and dream a little and see what God might do and what God can do through you. Listen, life is too short. Life is too short to be wasting time. Please listen to a guy who's near the end of the current cycle of where I am right now. I'm just saying this because I still have dreams and plans and visions of where, what I want to accomplish before I kick the bucket and start pushing daisies. <laughs> I look around you. There's some who are just starting out in your work careers, five or ten years maybe into it. There's some of you who have the entire second half of your vacations ahead of you. There's some of you that at the end of, uh, near the end of your careers don't bury us yet. There's still work for us to do for the kingdom. And so if God were to grant you a vocational miracle, what would it look like? Or if you could rewrite the script for your vocational future, how would the script read? James 4 says, you have not because you ask not. You see, God is more than willing. I mean, he's standing ready to lead you into a new adventure, but he's waiting for you to step out in faith. Friends, the Bible says in John 10.10 that God wants to give you a life with all its fullness. Just not for the two hours on a Sunday morning, but fullness of life in your whole vacation as well. I look around at the church and I can imagine the wonderful potential that is sitting right here. That, that if you would just open yourself to God's possibilities... Can you imagine what we could accomplish for the kingdom of God right here in Vancouver? If you were to integrate your marketplace skills, your spiritual gifts, your growing faith in Jesus Christ, do you realize what a difference you could make in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in those circle of friends that you have around the world? I hope and pray that you will begin to see that you can be a difference in this world. And so... We're running out of time, but let me summarize by saying, God did not wire you in a particular way so that you could be frustrated. God did not give you skills and gifts and interests and talents and give you spiritual gifts and expect them to lie dormant and buried under the sands of your life. God didn't call you to himself that you could, so that you could just merely relate to him in a church service or for a few hours every week on a Sunday. God wants to be part of your Monday and Tuesday and Wednesdays as well. He wants to walk with you through your work week. He's ferociously committed to helping you find your place in the world. And I cheer you on as you embark on that endeavor. Regardless of what you do, whether you may be a teacher or a realtor, or a salesperson, a manager, your work matters to God. And God will use your work to help you grow spiritually. You see, most people try and compartmentalize their lives and say, well, you know what, Peter, I have my spiritual life here. I pray and I go to church and I even have a ministry there. And over here is my work life. That's my secular life. There's only one problem with that. God does not divide the two. The word secular is not in the Bible. 
All of you have an integrated life and God is interested in your whole life. Since work is about 40% of your life, God is interested in that as well. And you see, God wants to help you grow spiritually in whatever environment you might find yourself in. And he will use people and problems and pressure. And so the only question is, will you cooperate with God in his character development program? I think the bottom line of what I'm trying to say this morning is simply this. The most important thing that you take home from work is not your paycheck. It's you. Your character. Are you changing? Are you growing? Are you developing? Are you responding to the things that work in a way that, that you will end up a better person at the end of the day? You see, those seven deadly sins that are spoken about in Proverbs, they don't happen when you're in church. They don't happen when you pray. They don't happen when you're reading your Bible. That happens out there in the workplace, in the marketplace. And so how are you responding to that stuff, that pride, and all those other things that are listed there? See, that's part of your character development. As you, lean, as you understand how to deal with those issues, what happens? You grow out of that. You see, if you don't respond as God wants you to respond, you're missing one of the major areas God wants to do and work in your life. Ask God to help you through those problems, through the pressures, through the challenges. You see, Scripture reveals that God's intention for His people is to lead others in worship with Him. We start in the workplace. So I pray this morning that this message has ministered to you and you more clearly understand what God has in store for you because you are created in the image of God. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to live a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.